0: Thank you for joining Christine Crockett-Smith as she shares insights and parenting strategies from her gold medal winning book, 18 Master Values, Be the Parent You Wish You'd Had, a great resource for peaceful parent-child relationships. Hello there. Thank you so much for being with me this week. I'm so excited. My book, 18 Master Values, Be the Parent You Wish You'd Had, we're talking about it this week. Two of the the two that we're going to talk about, the two values that we're going to talk about are creativity and self-control and for those of you that are joining me live thank you that is the best way to interact and ask questions and my amazing producer who I forgot to mention last week Anna Xavier is going to be watching those and she'll be sending any my way that seem relevant and that we might want to answer and then if you're not watching her live um welcome anyway if you're watching on YouTube or on Facebook or on Twitter and also we pull the audio and put on all the podcast platforms and that's a good way to listen to it if you don't get to see it live and I am so excited this week for my guest who is joining us her name is Kelly Madrone hi Kelly hello and she lives outside Taos New Mexico and that's the beauty of technology. It can seem like we're in the same place having a conversation. And she is joining me today to talk about self-control and creativity and anything else that comes up. Um, we're just going to let it go wherever it goes. But do you want to take a minute, Kelly, and just tell them who you are, a little bit about your family and just that?
1: Yeah. So um, my family is pretty young. Um, I'm still in some ways getting used to being a mom, which is, which has really been awesome. But we have a uh, daughter who just turned three in August and we have another daughter who is four months old. So we are in the thick of it. Um, And I, just to get a, Give it a, a little idea of what our kind of day to day structure is. I am really fortunate in that uh, I'm a freelancer, so I'm self employed and I work from home. But my partner um, is full time with the kids right now, so um, we've we've made some choices to make that work out. But I still get to be around and really participate quite a lot. So
0: that's so cool. It's that's so us. Cool. it's weird to think that I've known you for three years. It doesn't that's, feel uh, like yeah. it, but yeah, oh my gosh. True. I was, go fast. yeah, I knew you on the front end of when she first came into your life. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. for those of you, um, I'm just, she was one of my editors on my book and she was friggin' amazing. I could wait till the end, but I'm going to go ahead and say that, um, I sent her what I had. She's a, she was a content editor for me. She does a lot of other things. She's going to tell you about that at the end. But, um, I gave her, I was so busy and I gave it to her and she came back to me with, some of her ideas and i meant to get back to her meant to get back to her meant to get back to her with what i some what i thought of that and she just took it and she just ran with it and um most of the questions and the contemplations in the book the challenges are hers and she ran me i mean she the book wouldn't exist yet i don't think if you weren't involved so thank you so 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 much
1: well it was a real pleasure it was it was it was Uh, great content to work with so it was an ideal type of project for me so thank you for doing it it was a pleasure Uh, to be involved. Thank you
0: and it's interesting you said something early on um, that ended up coming up more than once with other people you know you write a book you put it out there you don't know if it's going to impact anybody or not and when you hear that it did there's a piece in there and it's actually in the love chapter but where where I first heard that um, one of the great roles of, of grandparents is they get to be that person who, when the kids walk in the room, their eyes just light up no matter what. The kids don't have to do anything or be special. The grandparents can just be excited that they're in the room. And Mm -hmm. when I heard that and I realized that my my kids didn't really have grandparents, I realized I had to be that person. It changed me completely. And you said that you read that, and it affected the way that you interacted with your babies. It does.
1: I think about it all the time. And I. it's funny because I thought about it. I guess it was two mornings ago. Um, my Our toddler has started getting up a little bit earlier. And so my whole one of my whole ways of making this work at home thing work is that I get up really early. I usually get up around 4.30. And so I can be awake and have a little quiet. Uh, I'll get in some exercise and then I'll start working and get some done so that by the time everybody gets up, I can make breakfast. But my toddler has started getting up earlier and so (laughs) it's just been foiling my plans a little bit so about two mornings ago I was sitting at the computer working and I was really kind of getting in the flow and happy to be doing what I was doing and this little knock at the door and then the door comes open and you flashed in my mind and I turned around and I put the biggest smile on my face and I was like you know I'm so happy to see you so and that is that is directly why I think about that a lot because I, I kind of remember. I think reading that in your book, I kind of could think back to some times that I remembered adults not being particularly happy to see me. And it's not that that was bad or wrong or that, you know, we all have feelings, but just to remember that that really does stick with a child in a different way. So, yeah, I, I think about that all the time.
0: Oh, well, that makes me so happy. Thank you for sharing yeah, that. with thank me. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and just just so you know, and if you're watching, just so you know, eventually you can get to where you have a clock in the room with big numbers on it and you can say, Do not come out of your room until it's <laughs> seven dot dot zero zero. Trust me, it'll come. Yes. And it's like Everything changes after that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're getting pretty excited that it's staying darker longer. Right, right. So that's that's helping to to ease it back a little bit more.
0: (laughs) And then they're going to fling daylight savings on you and that's going to go away. So there's that. (laughs) But whatever. Enjoy it while you can. Sorry, sorry.
1: (laughs) No, we don't. We're aware.
0: (laughs) So um, I'm going to jump into self-control a little bit. One thing, um, one of my favorite things, in the book was from Michael Bernard Beckwith, Reverend Michael Bernard Beckwith from Agape Church in Los Angeles, and I, I saw him live, and he said, between impulse and action, there is a space. And that just hit me over the head, I love it when the fewest words possible explain A much larger concept and for me that explained self-control but can you tell me what if anything either from the book um that that struck you in that chapter or just within the raising of your own children one of the goals of this podcast and this show is that anyone watching uh, any parent watching comes away with just at least some nugget of this this is one thing that I'd never heard of before that I can I can use so that's what we're talking about today. So if you don't mind, just sharing anything that you have to share about self control.
1: Yeah, I think um, a couple things from the parent standpoint. One of the things from your book that uh, that I've also revisited a lot, and that I tell people all the time. I mean, I've integrated it into my work. I talk about it in my own newsletter. Is modeling and the extent to which we model for our kids, and so it's like. Um, I I use that with regard to self care a lot. And I tell if if you have a trouble choosing yourself to take care of yourself, remember that you're modeling behavior for your kids. So if you want them to learn it, and that was one of the things that I took from um, the self control chapter too, is that how you handle things is is the strongest teacher for your children. Um, So I think about that in terms of when I'm confronted with all kinds of, uh, um, situations and, uh, you know, and I have that opportunity to pause before I make a, make a decision or take action, um, that you're, that I'm on a stage now and for two highly impressionable people. So, um, that's, that's a really that's beautiful way. Thing.
0: I hate to interrupt. That's a really beautiful way of saying that. It, um, yeah, you are on a stage, aren't you?
1: Yeah. And that can, that can be, it can feel like a lot of pressure and a challenge sometimes, but I think overall that's a really great thing because it's like, well, how do I raise a person who does this and who feels that? And it's like, I be that person, and that's a win win, right? right? So. <laughs>
0: right? I mean, that's the coolest thing. You know, one thing I say is that they teach us more than we'll teach them. And that's a really good point of it is just making you be introspective and making you go inside and making you really think really hard about who you are and what you're doing every minute. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think especially, I mean, you know, obviously the four month old is still really showing us, um, a lot of the personality that she's coming in with, but our toddler, um, she's very strong willed and she's extremely high energy. And so she can be a real challenge to parent at this age, but we, you know, we want to keep those things. We don't want to s- to smash her high energy or keep her down. Um, but with regard to self-control, one of the things that we realize about her is that if we took her to, uh, like a fancy restaurant or, um, a long church service or something like that at this point, where she would be expected to sit still for a really long period of time, that's that's something that we don't really feel like it's realistic to ask of her. So we try not to ask her to exhibit more self control than she's really wired for at this point, and really focus on um, like the time at the dinner table and 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 these shorter periods of time. And the, the self control that she needs to exhibit to not get hurt and things like that. But beyond that, we try to let her have free play and time that she can really run around and not have rules and be told no because it's something, especially having a, such a young sibling, and we're trying to, to balance the needs, you know, when it's nap time for the, the baby, et cetera that our toddler gets told no a lot more often. And so we try to, that can, that can, we've noticed that that can create trouble for her with self-control. You know, she wants to act out a little here and there. And so we've, we've made a point to try to really take her places and give her opportunities that she can just be wild. And then it's easier for her to exhibit self-control in other circumstances. So that's, that's, something um, with her that we found is really important. And I think, you know, based on her peers and, and things that we see in her playgroup and stuff, other kids seem to have more challenges with self-control and fewer challenges with self-control. So it really is kind of um, kid-specific to an extent, but that's kind of how we approach it, is really focus on what's gonna keep you safe, what helps you learn? Like, what's important? Like to us, eating together as a family is important. But we know that she um, is really high energy, and she is only three, so we don't expect those family meals to last an hour. You know, we just right. try to keep it into a. We don't. We try to set her up for success. I guess that's so what,
0: important. That's so yeah. important. And to point out to her. Um, when she has exhibited good self control. I mean, if like, if five yeah. minutes is all she's got right now, but she does the friggin' five minutes. Exactly. You know, let her know how proud you are that, that she did the five minutes. And then, yeah. Yeah, when it goes longer. That's really cool. And it's also cool for you to point out that there are children that are doing better than her, there are children that aren't doing as well as her. It's not a competition. <laughs> she's doing the best she can. And I'll guarantee you, your second one's going to give you a whole other
1: way I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure we're, we're looking forward to seeing what she uh, throws at us so Yeah,
0: yeah, that's so smart for you though to meet her where she is. You know, I know that this has happened to you. You're in a restaurant. And some child isn't keeping it together. And the parents get to that place of being embarrassed because they're afraid of what everybody else is thinking. And then they get angry. And it just doesn't go well when when what you're saying is probably the truth. They're just expecting more than the child can deliver.
1: Mm -hmm. And I know like um, our our daughter's cousin, our niece, always has exhibited um, more reservation and self-control and she could sit in a restaurant at three. Um, but her personality is also very different. You know, she's very, she's highly intellectual. She's not quite as physical. Um, so it's just kind of, it's nice to be in a, in a family too, a larger family that really honors that and, and isn't saying, you know, because we know how the pressure can be and in our, and in our play group too, it's really nice because the other parents also, you know, they don't do the comparing and they don't do they We all recognize that our kids are are different and we just kind of try to be flexible and navigate that. So
0: oh, that makes me so happy to hear, number one, that you have a play group and number yeah. two, that they're like minded. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
1: Yeah. It's like the it, best it,
0: support, it, isn't it?
1: It is. And we we only um, moved to New Mexico. Um, we we're just having our year anniversary here after having lived in Colorado for a little bit and mostly in um, the Washington, D.C. area. And one of the reasons that we kind of moved on and kept moving on was because we weren't finding that, that kind of, it's not like you need everybody around you to be just like you. It's great Mm -hmm. to have diversity, but when it comes to kind of like, it's like choosing a partner, you want to agree on some really important things. And it's kind of like that in the the playgroup. It's like, do you, we all kind of agree on a lot of the same baseline things um, about respecting our children and how we, how we want to raise them and see them as individuals, you know, who have some autonomy and get to get to have needs and wants that they declare. So yeah, it's been, it's, it's been a total game changer having, uh, having that group. So, so that's kind of how we know we're home.
0: <laughs> right. Oh, that's yeah. beautiful. When my kids were little, we had a co-op and part of it was play group, but we also um, exchanged babysitting for each other, you mm-hmm. know, so somebody could go, yeah get their nails center or go, go out for a date or something. And you knew that they were staying with another mom and you knew that it was somebody that you respected that had your same values.
1: Mm-hmm. It was
0: the best. And it makes me, you know, one part of 18 Master Values, the book, to me, it's not a book, it's a movement. I really, really want to encourage people to find each other, to find tribe members, to find parents who share the values of just identifying what your values are and making sure that you're parenting that way. To get the affirmation, you know, a lot of our families have different ideas and there's nothing wrong. It's not like saying their ideas are wrong. It's just whatever decisions you have made for your parenting, you do want to have people who support that and finding people to spend time with that your kids and then your kids are also being reaffirmed, not just by the other adults in the playgroup, but from the other
1: kids. That's very true. That's a really good point. Um, and we've noticed that in the kids too, in the playgroup, they, um, they don't kids as kids dwell, they don't always see eye to eye, but the way that they tend to behave when they have those differences, um, kind of shows, I I think the parenting styles, which is really nice because they, they relate in similar ways. Yeah.
0: Yeah. One, I think it's in the book. I'm not sure, but when my kids were little, um, sharing the concept of sharing, uh, I, I never got that. I never got like, wait a minute, if this person has this, why should I give it to them? And I had, my kid's old babysitter now has three little kids and she had them at the house not too long ago and the two kids were fighting over something and she was getting, you know, nervous and embarrassed as we do in front of other people thinking that we're being judged. She should have known we weren't judging her but I just told her, you know, that what we did when my kids were little was say, you know what, I'll give it to you when I'm finished and how beautiful it was when they would be finished and they would actually go find the kid and hand it to them but you can't, do that if the other families involved don't have similar ways of being.
1: We had that. We had that exact thing about three weeks ago, I think, where um, my partner had taken the kids to the park and our toddler had her scooter there and there was um, uh, a nanny there with a few children and I guess two of the kids wanted to play with the scooter and – our daughter had brought the scooter. She can't use it at home because we don't have a surface where she gets to do that. So this was her big outing with her scooter. And the nanny was really pressuring her to let the kids use the scooter. And my partner said, you know, she's playing with it. She, it's hers. She brought it here. It's not, you know, personal, but she really wants an opportunity to play with her toy. And then the nanny, you know, kind of turned and walked away and muttered something about not teaching your children how to share. Right. But we totally agree with that. It's like, um, it doesn't, mean that you have to give it up at that moment the moment somebody comes along and it's like well this is you know community property well no you get to have your own possessions but i i feel like the same thing it's more worthwhile to teach them like okay i'm i'm i don't want to give them the scarcity of like oh somebody's gonna take this away or somebody gets to just you know yank away my possession but yeah when i'm and she does that she does exactly what you said when she's done because she's she does have a um really sweet generous spirit She'll go over and say, you know, like here, you can. Would you and, like to play with this? And that's so great yeah, lesson. it
0: works out. Yeah, every child involved learns from that. And you know, one thing I love so much about that story. When you decide what your values are and how you want to parent, and you've just con- you've consciously done that, you've decided, you've considered, you and your partner share. Then, when you're in a situation like you just mentioned with the nanny, you feel rock solid about defending your position.
1: Yes. Yeah, Yeah, and it feels like you're defending your kids, too. I think that's a big thing is for your your kids to see you support them and show up for them in very calm and rational ways, you know? And and it's like, I think you said, too, just a minute ago, it's that thing of we can feel a lot of pressure because we feel judgment from other people. But that's one of the things, too, that I really appreciate about my partner is, you know, if we have decided that and we feel good and strong about our decisions, it's like, we don't mind standing up to other adults, and that's okay because the kids are number one. You know, we are going to show up for them and uh, respect them, and and in a way that sometimes other adults just just don't.
0: And possibly the other adults will learn from it. You know, the, the chances are they haven't thought it through. They haven't done the time to think right. about what their values are and what they believe. And chances are they can come away maybe feeling that maybe that's not a bad way to be. It's- Yeah, that's a good point. Especially when you're calm. You know, especially when you're calm, there's no anger. You just defend your position.
1: Yeah. And and the other thing that I was going to say when we were talking about um, having um, parents that you hang out with, that your kids can hang out with, who are like-minded is it not only gives you something positive, it also removes something. It removes that kind of frenemy vibe that you can get with parents who aren't like, minded you're spending a lot of time with those You know, it's like you, you have kids who are the same age and you kind of feel like you're supposed to be hanging out with them, but there's, there, you know, I've seen this with a lot of my friends. There are these ridiculous animosity issues that can come up. They're real, but it just creates all this unnecessary stress. So you're, you're kind of, um, removing that to an extent too, some of that, that judgment and stuff that we just don't need.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Very important. So we've talked. I mean, I could talk about self-control way, 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 way more. Um, but we gotta stay on base a little bit. And and creativity. I want to get to that because you told me that you're actually working on a project about creativity right now.
1: Tell me. Yeah, yeah that's my jam. Um, one of the. <laughs> I know you I, me. I work with. Um, I'm a writer, and I work with other writers. I work. Um, in like content and communication and um everything i do is about understanding how people receive and perceive things and how to frame things so that they're received in a way that you intend and it's it's a it's a process that relies heavily on creativity um but one of the things that i found is that people and i know you talk about this in your book people say, like, oh, you're a creative person because you're a writer or you're a creative person because you're a painter or whatever. And they don't understand that that creativity isn't a field. It's how we live. And there's just such a dearth of of creative living. Like the tools that we use in how we interpret things that happen in our lives are are creative, are creative. like, um, so what I had mentioned to you is that I, I do a newsletter and I'm doing a series right now because I've decided that this is so important and I see it so frequently that people don't see themselves as creative beings and see the role of creativity and living like a really rich and passionate and an engaged life that I'm like laying out all these tools of creativity. And I think a lot of them, as soon as people read them, they're like, oh, yeah, like, you know, last week I talked about reframing, you know, bad circumstances that seem bad. Mm. Um, and things like that, but that's a that's a creative tool if you have the ability to think and look at things creatively and not be married to um, these rigid structures and ideas. Um, that's an example of how you can use creativity in your day to day life, and so it just becomes this this thing that's sort of natural, a natural um, part of how you engage with life and express yourself. So um, I know you talked a bunch about that in your book, and I was really happy to see that there that it's like you can be creative as an accountant. It's not it's not just those of us who are um, you know writing and and doing all these other things, right? acting. Or it's like
0: it, what it, you personally and uniquely. Are bringing to the world.
1: That's kind of really
0: it. And no matter what you're doing, you can drive creatively. I mean, oh yeah, everything. Everything that you do can be creative. Like,
1: one of my partner's big things is, I mean, she's she's an amazing writer. She doesn't do that professionally, but how she dresses. I mean, that's one of the things that people always always um, notice about her. She has this incredibly creative style of dressing, and that's just. It makes her so happy, too. And when she doesn't have the ability to express herself that way, it really affects her. And I think so many of us don't understand how the lack of bringing that vibrancy and that creativity in our lives affects us because it's not there, but when it is, when it starts to come in, things just kind of get brighter and and light up.
0: And think kids are watching. Are you wanting to say something? Yeah, um, I'd like to bring up uh, something that I saw once on a a TED Talk. Um, Someone was talking about um, when you are a child, everyone, every scribble you do, everyone says, oh my God, you are incredible, you know, keep at it, this is amazing. And parents incentive children to carry on doing it. But at some point, somehow later in life, there's a moment where it stops happening. Anything you do, people will be mm, not sure. Are you sure you want to carry on doing that? And where do we, you know, that that's kind of a, a bit of an interesting limitation that we put on ourselves. Why aren't we just carrying on doing creative work anyway, regardless? That's right? a really good point. I'd like point. to know your thoughts on yeah, that. Kids, yeah, kids, you know, kids are born creative. They're naturally creative. They can't not let it flow through them who they are. They don't even know that there's another way of being. And yes, we definitely layer it on them. It does start when they're little and it can come from the parents with the expectations of this is who you ought to be. This is how you ought to be. This, this is right. And this is wrong. And then it gets so much worse once they get in school and we start layering on all of that right and wrong ways of being.
1: I'm reading this great book right now. Um, and I've actually used a couple quotes from my newsletter it's called sparks of genius yes and it's i think it's it's something like 13 tools of of creative thinkers they go through um a a lot of who they talk about are scientists but they talk about artists and choreographers etc but one of the things that really struck me was they spent a good deal of time in one chapter talking about um that kind of eureka moment and you know they talked about einstein and and a bunch of other well-known scientists and went into the point being that a lot of them aren't weren't necessarily or aren't necessarily great at math. It's a language that they use to express what's in their head. So they have this incredible creative process um, where the solution comes to them, and then they use, you know, what they have, the mathematics, et cetera, at hand to explain it and explain why it's true. And one of the statements that they the authors had made was, you know, what we tend to do really well in school is teach the discovery, but not how the discovery was made. And so one of the things that I've been hammering is that, you know, we're, we're really pushing STEM education, which I think is great, but we're not seeing the test scores really go up. And I, I'm hundred percent convinced that's because we, we are de-emphasizing creative arts. We're de-emphasizing, we are de we do not teach kids how to think creatively. And in fact, as you just said, um, we we kind of try to, to turn down the volume on that as they get older. I mean, I, was, I remember being in first grade and my teacher, Mrs. Good, which is ironic that that was her name because we had a few run-ins. She was a pleasant person. But I remember we had to do a math problem and it involved coloring in the one that was the correct answer. And I had gotten the correct answer, but I didn't get full credit. And I said, why? And she said, right there you know the color had gone a little bit outside the circle no and that i as you can see i'm telling this story now at 44 years old first of all that was my first real tangle i think with an injustice like the idea of injustice but also yeah like that that whole idea about i mean it's the perfect illustration telling kids they have to color inside the lines literally so yeah first grade first grade fortunately i i pushed past mrs good and i here I am today. <laughs> did you ever tell your parents about that? Uh yes, I did at, at some point. I did at the time because what they, they told me we kind of had a talk about it, how, you know, that wasn't anything that I had done wrong. It was just it, it it was kind of her interpretation of really strict rules, but that I shouldn't be worried about the grade that it was what was what mattered was that I had understood what was being asked and I had done it correctly and you know, they went into all of that. So yeah. I've, I remember it being a
0: challenge with my children in school. A lot of things that they expect of them are not defensible. So, for example, if you have to come home and practice homework, meaning taking time out of your time with your family, even though you've been at school all day and it's something that you've already mastered, that doesn't make sense. So if you have a kid who comes to you and they're frustrated. They're like, this doesn't make sense. I already, I got an A on the test already. Why do I have to, and so it was this weird thing for me where what I decided to do, and I don't know if it's right or wrong, but it worked in our family, was I expressed, to, I let them own it I, from a very early age. I think it's in the book in second grade when Madison had to run in with her teacher, but I let them own it. And, and instead of trying to defend it, in which case they would have lost some respect for me because it is indefensible, I said, listen, this is the game we're playing. And you get to decide how you're going to play. And if you feel strongly enough about it that it's ridiculous that you don't even want to do it and you're willing to lose that grade or converse with your teacher about maybe an alternative, you have a right to do that. Just let's make sure that you understand what the consequence is. And that empowered them so much just to know that they had that choice. Mm -hmm. It removed a lot of the having to do this stupid crap it was like okay it's just a game I'm just going to do it because I, I actually do want the A uh, yeah so that's really important
1: yeah, yeah I love that and it's again it's another example of of honoring your kids as people you know which we I, I just feel like that's so much of what we do in parenting is like because of their age and their height <laughs> I know We you know we don't honor them as, honoring as, is a good as, word as having um, desires and motivations and, Thoughts, and all of those things opinions. that are worth engaging.
0: Right. Honoring is a good word. Empowering, respecting. Mm-hmm. It's really important. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, this flew by so fast I can hardly even believe it. I want to take a few minutes, Kelly. Um, I admire you so much. Working with you and watching the process of me sending you one thing and getting one thing back and it being so much better. And one thing that I think is so underestimated, I think editors are so underestimated because nobody gets to see it before you, before they, (laughs) you know, nobody gets to see the things you changed (laughs) and the things you caught and the things you made better. They just see the end result. But anyway, if anybody wants to work with you, will you please tell people a
1: little bit about what you do and how they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. Um... I do a couple different things and it's all centered around, um, content, which is a pretty broad word. But if you go to my website, KellyMadrone.com, I kind of, I just put up a new website last week that I think does a much better job of articulating where my areas of focus are right now. But some of my favorite things to do are to work with people such as yourself on manuscripts and book proposals. Um, either creating them from scratch or taking what you've already done and, you know, giving a manuscript evaluation with feedback or actually working with you, um, to get it in a stronger place. I I started my career with uh, many years in scholarly publishing. So I learned firsthand under some amazing editors, how to work with writers not to, and I think the word editor it can be challenging because of those early school, you know, experiences of having right. your your pay, your tests and some red lines. By, and I'm trained as an English teacher too, so I get it. But um, and and being a writer growing up, you know, that going through that process in school of having you know the the feedback and the, it can be scary for everybody. So, um, and and I'm still a writer now, and I write books and and everything, so I I get to go through the process with my own editors and and. And that keeps me really um, engaged with an understanding of the process from the standpoint of a writer. So I see myself really as a partner in helping the work express itself to its fullest and helping the writer make it into something that's what they originally intended or even more than they thought it could be. You did that Um, for me. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, some of the other stuff that I do is um, I've been helping a lot of entrepreneurs. I still work with some companies here and there. I love to work with nonprofits especially. But um, I, I work with a lot of um, individuals, coaches, um, people in, in teachers in different um, areas on things like blogging. Um, building up their own newsletters and how to engage their followers more effectively. I do email campaigns. So like when you sign up for an email from a person or a company and you get that like, Hey, welcome. And that, if that's called an onboarding sequence, and then you, you subsequently get emails from them. Uh, I write some of those, but don't be mad at me. I try to write only really good ones that are super <laughs> engaging and not cheesy and irritating. <laughs> Authenticity is a big thing for me. Yes. Um, So I I like to work with, I only work with people and, and brands that I, that I support and that I believe in because I don't, I don't want to spend my time trying to sell something that I wouldn't buy, whether that's a company product or a course that someone is offering. So, and that also keeps my work really fun. I mean, I just love what I do. I love, um, working with so many different people and, um, that's, that's a lot of it. And I also, I'll mention, I just last week had the third edition of my second book come out, and it's called LGBTQ. It's a survival guide for, um, for queer youth, which uh, I first wrote 15 years ago, if you can believe it. And so I said, as I said in the introduction, um, I'm not, I don't fit the category anymore. I've outgrown. now one of the adults. So, um, but I'm really pleased with how well it's been received, especially in the current environment. Um, I thought after the second edition, that was probably all the updates we were going to need to do because things were going pretty well. And the book would probably, you know, um, just fade into the distance at some point, but, uh, things have started shifting again. And so I talked to my publisher and we agreed it was time to do an update. And so. The latest edition is like fifty pages longer. It's so much more extensive. um we've I've updated so much that um, I feel like this one is is the strongest by far. and the reaction and the reception that it's getting, I think because people are seeing more of the importance of these issues and has um, really been incredible. so that's that's something that I'm doing right now, well, too.
0: Thank you for your work with that community. Pleasure. Your passion definitely comes through. It's beautiful. Thank you, Kelly Madrone. I am so grateful for you joining me today and that you got to be here, and I so look forward to working with you again soon. Not just just on the next book, but now I know that you even do other things that I might need, so we'll be talking soon. Absolutely,
1: sounds (laughs) wonderful. Thank you so
0: much, and I'll talk to you soon. And thank you for being here with us. Uh, Get in touch, comment, ask questions. I'll respond to them as I can. I work with individuals and businesses and groups with one-to-one coaching. If you want to do a workshop, either here in the Metroplex in Dallas or I can come to you. I would love to do that. If you have any interest in a retreat, let me know that. Help me know how I can help you. We have got to do a great job raising our little people. And I will see you next week. Thanks so much. Bye.